This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome back to your tech report. Harman, now a Samsung company, has been pioneering in the audio space for a very long time. Not only do they operate under, of course, their own brand, Harman Kardon, but there's brands like JBL, Infinity, AMX, Soundcraft, DBX, Martin, Arc, Lexicon. I mean, I can I can go on and on. Now, earlier this year, we're now in June, I reached out around CES time when there were really cool products announced. And uh, I think it might have been the JBL Classic Series uh, speaker and sound woofer, uh, subwoofer, or maybe even the, the Tune and Vibe True Wireless headphones. Uh, there were so many cool products. I'm like, I have to reach out because this is a brand that we have not had on the show before. And, uh, and you know, fast forward to today, I, I want to welcome our guest, who is uh, Jim Garrett, the Senior Director of Product Strategy and Planning. Is that right? Is that a good title or is it longer now these days, Jim? <laughs> no, that is correct. That is correct. Thank you for joining me. It's so great to have have your time and for you to take the time to join us and, and talk to our audience all about the Harman, because I think your brand and all the brands that Harman owns has touched, I think, if it hasn't touched every single person in the world at some point, whether they know it or not, I think it will. Yeah, that's absolutely the case. I think it's uh, certainly with the the JBL brand, that brand crosses all boundaries. Uh, and it's really the only brand, I think, that can say that we're involved in content from its creation to its playback, no matter where, how. You know, if it's live sound and you're at a concert somewhere, it's JBL. If you're at a movie theater, likely JBL. If it's in your car, it could be our system as well. All the content that was produced, we were talking before we started, you know, uh, recording studios use our monitors, post-production studios use our products. So from that standpoint, we're kind of everywhere and ubiquitous in the audio world. And it's, I think, one of the few that can say that. You know, there was one other company that actually that used that same line on me, and it wasn't in the audio world. It was in the video world, and it was Sony. Yeah. And I remember being at an event where they talked about the exact similar same situation where they're there at the inception. They're you know people are using their cameras to capture the video, and then when it's watched all the way to the other end on a on a Sony television, you're getting that full kind of full circle experience, and that's a very similar situation to exactly what you just described. Yep. Yeah. Fantastic. And we. Uh... And we like to point out, too, we have some uh, Grammy Awards for our contributions to the uh, recording arts and sciences as well. JBL is one of the brands that does have one. So a key part of it. Well, you know, I mean, you guys, when, when it comes to Harmon International, you know, if you if you do the research like I do, of course, um, you see the global leader in connected car technology, lifestyle, audio innovations and design and analytics. That is like a while that's a short kind of statement. That is an incredible, incredible list of different areas that touch a human being. And I found it interesting that the connected car was listed in there because that's one of those places that I don't think people realize that you guys play a pretty big and important role in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's a huge part of the company. You know, my role, what I'm in, I work in the luxury audio business unit. So we're just one of many business units in one of the divisions of the company. 
But when you look at the high level of what we do, uh, the automotive industry is a huge part of Harman. And we offer both branded uh, audio systems that you can get. So if you were to go buy a you know new Toyota vehicle, you could get a JBL system. But we also do it with a number of other brands. And then there's also the unbranded uh, part of the business that we do in infotainment. So all of the uh, technologies that's in the car, uh, a lot of those are Harman-based systems and often aren't branded because it's just part of the OEM. So... Uh, it, it's all around you and you're just not aware of it. <laughs> so. Jim, can you talk a bit about the, the you know, Harman's approach to audio design and the, like the philosophy, you know, that you guys take when it comes to audio design and development and how that trickles down to the different brands? Well, Harman is very much a science-based uh, company. So everything that we do is based in research. Uh, we've got decades of it uh, and some of the brightest and, and most talented audio engineers and, and uh, researchers that have been in the industry have been a part of Harman and in many cases still are. Uh, so some of the names that, that people might recognize from more recently, uh, Dr. Floyd Toole, who really led a lot of the modern day research that we've done uh, into listener uh, preferences, both subjective and objective. Um, and then our current uh, Harman X corporate research team that we have, we've got Dr. Sean Olive is a key part of that. Uh, he's past president of the Audio Engineering Society and um, uh, uh, Todd Welty, who's part of that team. And a lot of the research that we've done in a company into like the Harman target curve, some people may have heard of, which is a uh, basically a, a preferred response curve that has come out of all of this research that we've done around the world. Um, also, in the case of home theater, the use of multiple subwoofers, a lot of these papers and things that these guys have written have become industry standards and tools that, that we share for the betterment of the industry, of course, but also adhere to very religiously, I guess I would say. So, um, again, what we're doing is using that science and putting it towards our products to make a better product. So I think that's one of the things that's a, a fairly unique aspect of it. We've got pretty amazing resources. Uh, I'm very fortunate to work for a company like this as an audio guy, you know, to have the, the type of coworkers and the talent that I get to be surrounded with on a daily basis, as well as the resources uh, that we have, the tools to create products is really second to none. So I think it's a pretty amazing company when it comes to, to audio in yeah. that respect. How do you how do you blend the science? Because science is really, it's very straightforward, really, at the end of the day. It's, it's, it's very statistically you know, based. How do you blend that with the subject, subjective nature of of sound and the way that everybody perceives sound a little bit differently and has has different tastes? Because you go from one thing, which is the science base, which is very static, to well, something that is completely the opposite of that. I one of the things you know, there are some uh, you know people have impressions that oh, different people have different things or different parts of the world may have different listening preferences. But as we found throughout decades of research into all age demographics, geographic locations, it's fairly consistent. Good sound is good sound for the most part, and as long as you have normal hearing, you're going to likely prefer the same thing. And so you'll see that. Uh, um, you know, it could be 60, 70 percent of people are, are going to like generally the same thing. And then the, the preferences off of that are tend to be, you know, fairly slight. It's like you may prefer a little less high frequency or you may prefer a little more bass. But overall, that general response curve that's there is pretty consistent around the world. And again, we've done it 
you know, all kinds of different age demographics, different product uh, categories. Uh, one of the things that we just recently did in, in my business unit, we launched a new headphone uh, under the Mark Levinson brand. And I think it's a, a pretty amazing product, but we adhered very strictly to the Harman target curve that was developed for headphones, uh, which as you might imagine, is a slightly different curve than it would be for an in-room loudspeaker uh, because of the, the transfer function of the fact that you've got a set of he uh, headphones that are directly attached to your ear. So there's no room or anything involved in there. But uh, still, there's a preferred listening curve that's just come out of all of this research of sitting people down, playing music for them, finding out their preferences of what they like and, and don't like. So we, we put that into everything that we develop. So we'll use that target curve as really kind of the North Star, the guiding light of what we do when we're creating audio products. And I think um, to uh, humble brag, perhaps a little bit, all of the awards that we tend to win uh, for, you know, best sounding products or, or whatnot, it really that that's where the we're paying the dividends of all the research that we've done. Does that target curve, does it evolve over time to um, what influences and what affects the evolution of the things that you create? Uh, well, no, it really doesn't change because it has been pretty consistent. And again, this is all the work that's coming out of, you know, Dr. Sean Olive and, and the corporate research team. Uh, he, he's currently a, a part of that. Uh, so it's pretty consistent. The headphone curve is the more recent one because it was something that came about as that category continued to grow. It was our recognition that obviously the curves and all the research that we had done for in-room loudspeakers, you're talking about a device that when placed into a room interacts with the room itself and those rooms very greatly. So uh, a lot of research that we put into that is how to get the loudspeaker to sound the best that it can be, but also considering those factors, first reflections and um, the, the uh, uh, research that we did into if the sound coming off the wall, reflecting off the wall, doesn't sound like the sound coming from the speaker itself, then you're going to get this kind of discorrelation of what your brain knows things are supposed to sound like. So having all of those reflections sound like the energy coming off the product was very important. All of that goes away when you do a headphone. So that was something that they had to do a little bit different. And how do you properly measure the sound response of a headphone? And then how do we adapt it for the fact that, it again, it, that transfer function of having the device right on your head it really required some different thinking. And so they spent uh, years and years doing that research as well. So outside of those two factors, it's pretty consistent because it's kind of general physics in a lot of ways. So it doesn't really change over time. What about things like wireless technology that, you know, that obviously is extremely in demand now, Bluetooth and just various forms of wireless transmission obviously um you know before it was digital i guess the different methods of transmission would affect the signal at the end of the day and I, you almost have to compensate for it do you or how does that affect the the maintaining that curve and making maintaining the quality of what you're doing well uh the curve is going to be there either way and it comes down to a bit of a you know quality in, quality out, or garbage in, garbage out, if you will. So a good loudspeaker should be a good loudspeaker no matter what. It's not, you know, hey, this one's good for rock or this one's good for classical music or whatever. A good loudspeaker should be able to reproduce anything. It's simply a reproduction device. So uh, from that standpoint, then uh, th th that's really where we head in terms of the products is to just make it sound great no matter what. Now, the quality of things has certainly changed. So what's upstream of the loudspeaker has changed 
quite considerably uh, over the last few years. And as you mentioned, wireless technologies and, uh, you know, when it first came out, when digital first came out, right, we, we were sacrificing some sound quality in the name of ease of accessibility, or I could put 3000 songs on my phone, but they were horrible quality, right? And then as storage became more available on electronic devices, then everybody's like, well, I'm not willing to sacrifice the quality anymore. Now we've moved into an age of wireless connectivity as well. And so all of these different um, wireless transmission protocols that are out there have continued to improve in quality. So we're at a state now where you can get very, very high resolution sound through wireless connectivity. So um, a lot of those things, then when we're developing the electronic side of products, and as a matter of fact, the speaker that's sitting behind me that uh, uh, is a uh, new fully active powered studio monitor that we do on the consumer side, that gives all of the wireless connectivity that everybody's been used to, uh, but in a very high performance, high resolution uh, bookshelf type of loudspeaker. And it's something that as we look at the trends and the consumers and how people have gone, you know, so many people are used now to portable Bluetooth speakers or headphones and everything's wireless, right? It's easy. It's a world of Bluetooth connectivity and that ease of use is something we've all grown accustomed to. And it's something that you don't necessarily want to give up as you move into higher performance audio products. There's no reason the product should be more complex or more difficult to use uh, just in order to get higher performance. So that's something that we focused on uh, quite a bit uh, lately. It's actually a, a term that we've talked about, uh, the Luxumer, if you will. So, and it's this it, it crosses multiple generations, but it's people that have, have really gotten used to that the UI UX part of a product that's very simple, very easy to use. So you don't want to give that up just to get a higher performance product. So we focus on that quite a bit when we develop the products, certainly within our business unit, the luxury audio business unit within Harman. Uh, obviously, there's so many buzzwords out there these days. And one of the biggest things is obviously smart home technology and, you know, the Internet of Things and the IoT ecosystem. Um, what's your vision or even roadmap when it comes to integrating your audio technology into those types of applications? Well, there's so many different business units and divisions within a company. We can touch it at about any point. Um, you know, if for our division, we're really dealing with some of the most premium brands under the Harman corporate umbrella. And we do very high performance products for these brands, all geared towards the residential consumer. Uh, we have divisions of the company, of course, that deal with the professional audio world. That's a big part of what we do. Uh, we have uh, business units that develop products that are, are embedded uh, technologies that go into other products. Um, you, you know, so if you were to uh, have that technology there, it's really going to connect all throughout the house. So we have at some point in time, there's someone within the company that's working in just about everything in that respect. Because uh, when you think about how technology is really found throughout the home anymore, uh, it's in everything that we do. And at some point in time, as an audio company, right, for anything that is going to end up at a transducer, we can address it whatever that may be. Uh, so sound's got to come out of the device, whether it's a, a speaker, a TV, a, a sound bar, a, your shower head, your portable device in the backyard, you know, anything like that, the speakers in the ceiling of your house, uh, we, we address it uh, some form with any of those business units. Jim, have you seen any, any shift in consumer behavior since the pandemic? 
um, in, in this particular space, maybe in how we interact with technology or different needs or maybe grown into different things because people were stuck at home for so long? Yeah, the, it was definitely a, a big shift during the pandemic. And part of it was we just couldn't leave our homes and go do the things that we had taken for granted before. So when you think about the fact that you couldn't go to a sporting event, you couldn't go to a concert, you couldn't go to a movie, all these things that you would go out and do from an entertainment standpoint, you had to figure out a way to bring those into your home because we were all stuck at home. So thankfully, there's so much content available from, you know, on-demand streaming video and audio that you could you could get to it all, but you wanted to experience it uh, in a much better form than perhaps you had prior to the pandemic because it was the only option you had. So what we saw was a, a tremendous increase in spending, uh, really nesting in general, right? We all spent more money on our homes throughout the pandemic, but that was a big thing that we saw was people invested in their audio and video systems because they wanted a better uh, experience at home. So people were getting better surround sound systems. They were getting better hi-fi systems. They were getting, you know, outdoor entertainment type of products because leaving the house meant you went to the back patio or to the garden area or sat around your pool or the or the barbecue grill in the backyard. So you took the entertainment outdoors with you. Uh, so that was really the shift that we saw um, was just a lot more spending into audio video products and looking for better solutions than what you had had previously. Yeah, I noticed the same thing too. People just uh, a renewed focus in something they probably weren't really we're probably giving more of an afterthought before suddenly people were spending more time asking more questions and doing their research and wanting to do it wisely. So they almost didn't have to ever leave their house again or in case they didn't have to to leave their house. Um, you know, yep. AI is one of these things that uh, big buzzwords that I think that when it comes to designing any products, we've been using some form of AI for a very long time before it was a buzzword. Um how do you what is your approach to to ai how how does it fall into what you do on a daily basis uh it doesn't at all really for what i do on a daily basis um you know what we do designing products for the uh, residential consumer we primarily play with again i'm speaking uh particularly to our business unit and the brands that we manage here at Harman. We are dealing with two-channel hi-fi products, we are dealing with home theater products, and we're dealing with distributed audio products uh, all in the audio space. And so what we're really working with is a very talented team of engineers and uh, the, that science-based research that we have available to us at Harman to develop the products that we do. So a lot of it is coming from uh, the experience and talent on the team. Uh, and the resources that we have to create these products. And it's it's pretty fundamental engineering in that respect. Uh, really, the only things you can say that are have become automated or anything like that is the ability to just create a lot of things virtually um, because we've got predictive algorithms and things that we can do for developing let's say crossover networks for loudspeakers. Uh, we can do an iterative approach to design virtually in a computer before we get to soldering irons and you know capacitors and resistors and inductors and things on a crossover network. So uh, those things are a little different. And then of course, uh, some of the other improvements from a technology, maybe not AI per se, is just the ability to um, uh, create like, as we say, SLAs or 3D printing and to be able to do rapid prototyping for products. That's really uh, been tremendously helpful in order to reduce the development time and costs of a product, but to be able to 
print something out and look at it before it's ever actually been tooled or created as a product is a key part of the design process right now and something that we use on a on a daily basis for that matter. So uh, those things have all been very helpful tools for us and resources that as we have moved into the modern age have helped improve and refine the product development process. In your in your business unit and the brands that you work with on, on a daily basis, do you have a, a, a favorite child? <laughs> All of them. <laughs> I, and that's the... Uh, All of them. Yeah. Oh, they're, they're not listening, Jim. Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, in my role, you know, what I'm responsible for is the the, the strategy and the product development uh, roadmap of what, what are we going to create for our business unit? Where are we going? Where's the market going? What are the opportunities that we want to chase? Uh, I'm fortunate enough that in our business unit, we've got really five of the most uh, prominent brands out there in consumer audio. And so each of them has a particular role that they play. JBL is the unique one, I think, because we cross so many different categories of what we do with the product. It touches about everything. Uh, most of the other brands that we deal with in our business unit are fairly specific in the type of category that we target. So it's hard to necessarily pick one and say, well, this is my favorite because um, they're each different, you know. So, uh, but there's certainly, I, I, there's a lot of products that we make. Um, again, it's like you, I've got eight kids, which one do you like the best? <laughs> but at the end of the day, you're like, well, that one is a little bit better than the other. So <laughs> you, you kind of look at it. Down. They all have their use case. They all have their use case. I love case. you all. I love you all. But <laughs> where, where is the market going in this space? Like where, where is it? You know, you said you, you know, it's about planning and, and looking ahead. Where is the market going? How does it evolve? Well, there's a couple of different things that we've been looking at specifically. I just did a podcast. We were in uh, Munich, Germany a couple of weeks ago for the Munich High End Show, which is now the largest uh, two-channel hi-fi uh, trade show in the world. And um, we did a podcast there kind of talking about some of the trends that we've been paying attention to and putting into our products. And uh, we were talking uh, just before this, some of the JBL Classic Series products that we've created in the luxury audio business unit. And those were heavily based on a retro design, but it's actually a trend that we call new nostalgia, if you will. And this is this uh, modern retro trend. You know, retro designs have become very popular of late, but what people really want, they like that retro design, the appearance, the styling of it. Um, but what you really want is all these modern features and connectivity. So that's something that uh, combining those is where we get that new nostalgia uh, type of trend that, that we're working towards. So that's something that really was brought to bear in that classic series of products, the, the electronics that we announced back in January at our Harman Explore event in Las Vegas. So uh, that's one trend there for sure. Uh, I mentioned a minute ago the Luxumer trend, and that's really just this multi-generational uh, preference for the simplicity of products, the ease of use. Uh, we've all grown so accustomed to the ease of Bluetooth connectivity. You know, at one point in time, I think people considered Bluetooth was kind of like the MP3. It was like, oh, well, it's cool and it's convenient, but it's horrible quality. Quality, but it's not anymore. <laughs> now you can get some high res Bluetooth connectivity and it's just become the quality is now there, but the convenience is still there. And that's one of those things I think, again, that as consumers that we've grown accustomed to that, 
uh, you know, hard drive storage is much more affordable now. We all have massive hard drives. You've got a terabyte drive on your computer. You've got, you know, a 600 meg service for your, uh, for your uh, internet at home, your ISPs. The speeds have gotten crazy for what you can get. So I think now as we've all gotten to that, it's like, well, I can stream, you know, 4K video. I can do all these audio uh, streams and high res audio, 24192 audio bit streams. So there's all these things that the technologies have allowed us to do, but we want it to still be easy. We want that ease of connectivity. We want that ease of operation. It's this is an entertainment aspect of our life, or in cases like you and I, also a work aspect of how we're going to connect with people. But why does it need to be difficult? It doesn't. So the trends that we have to follow in that respect is how do we continue to push the performance envelope, but do it in that manner that is easy to use, uh, easy to operate, easy to connect and get it up and going right out of the box. And, and those aren't necessarily easy things to do, but it's it's a huge focus of what we do right now. Well, Jim, I, I want to thank you for taking the time to kind of, you know, walk me through all that. Um, it's been a pleasure to speak with you and kind of get the inside scoop as to how you guys look at pro audio or just the audio space in, in general. And I hope to have you back on and talk about some more announcements as they come out and uh, talk about some more products more specifically. Cool. Awesome. Thanks. Appreciate the time. That is Jim Garrett from Harmon. Thank you so much for being here. And you guys at home, thank you so much for being with us each and every week. Don't forget to check out Squarespace and use that promo code YTR for a 10% discount on your subscription. On behalf of Mitchell Whitfield, I am Mark Aflalo. We'll catch you again next week. You've been tuned in to Your Tech Report. Join us again next week for another edition. And be sure to follow Your Tech Report online. Email us, contact at yourtechreport.com. Follow us on Twitter at Your Tech Report. Like us on facebook.com slash yourtechreport. For the latest in breaking tech news and reviews, yourtechreport.com. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.